expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Hello, Taiwan Talk listeners. This is Keith Manconi here. Today, we are bringing you another one of our extended interviews that was broadcast live on air on Wednesday, October 14th on The Morning Show with Terry Engel. We're going to be speaking to Taipei Story Slam about what they do and some of their upcoming events, or in some cases, already past events. Sorry, it took me a while to get this posted. Uh, now, folks who have been listening to this podcast for a while may have already heard an interview with Story Slam, posted it a little bit earlier this year. Uh, but I think this one is, uh, you know, a little bit looser, not quite so newsy, uh, so we can get into some of the stuff that we uh, couldn't get to in the other one and even tell a couple stories. So hope you all enjoy. Here it is, Taipei Story Slam on the Morning Show with Terry Ingle. ICRT FM 100, that is semi-sonic closing time, kicking off the hour here. Nine minutes past ten, time for our Wednesday extended interview segment. And uh, for that, we bring in one Keith Manconi, who kind of, uh, well, he's going to introduce us for us uh, this week. What have we got going on this week, Keith? It's story time Story the morning time. show. Okay. And we're doing it with, with Taipei Story Slam. All right. For those who don't know, the group has a, a monthly event that invites anyone with a voice to go up and use it by telling brief, true stories from their own life experiences. So we've invited them up on the show to uh, tell us what they're about and do a couple stories for us. Today on the show, we've got uh, the event's organizer, Colin Norman. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, everyone. Along with uh, one of the performers who has graced their stage, uh, Arissa Apantaku. Am I getting that almost close to right? That's 100% perfect. Yes! Wow. All right. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. And uh, just to kind of outline all of this, we're going to hear from Arissa in a second. She is our, uh, she's our model for today. Yes. Okay, good. Our story model. Okay, good, good. Uh, we'll begin with Colin, though. Uh, tell me a little bit about what Story Slam is, because I imagine... I'm, and this is what I'm imagining when I hear story slam or when I hear this uh, term and uh, um, or I hear about it around in, in Taipei. I think back to like the beatniks in Greenwich Village <laughs> who are up on stage with a little beret smoking a really thin cigarette and, and a bad mustache and then going, oh, yes, let me tell you you know, my story or whatever it you is. You made that it's, sound really French somehow. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't, all my accents kind of sound Indian, though. So, oh, tell me about your story. You know, I don't, I don't even know where that's from. But anyway. That is uh, the most complicated th- image I've ever held in my head but anyway th- 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 the point is is uh you know i think to beatniks and uh, uh greenwich village in new york uh, on the east side uh am i anywhere near correct um not that far off but really far off at the same time it's the same idea if that kind of open stage and you say what you want you say you say uh, a part of your life story mm-hmm. but uh not so beatnik a little less uh a little less french and a little less indian and mm-hmm. a little less unless you're french or indian mm-hmm. in which case that will inform your story. Uh, no, but Story Slam is about getting up on stage and tr- telling a true story from your life, uh, taking an incident in your life and sharing it. Uh, and it's really, it's something that humankind has been doing from the very beginning. It's something that that has defined us as a species, is our ability to tell a story about our lives, to take a piece of our lives and share it. Very profound. Now, um, let's let's kind of look at Story Slam uh, not here in Taipei just yet. We'll talk about sort of the history of uh, of how it got set up, but talk about Story Slam, uh, the history outside of Taipei and how it how it kind of came here. 
Sure. Um, one of the really big ones is the moth, of course. Uh, most most fans of storytelling know the moth. It's the major, major storytelling show uh, based out of New York, I believe. Um, and it also has a podcast now. Greenwich Village, by chance? I have no East idea. Eastside? <laughs> Uh, Ex-beatnik guy. The, Moth, okay, the anyway, Moth founder, yeah. I think, is from Louisiana, so you're a okay, little all right. there. Okay, just kidding. Yeah, just well, it's called the Moth because they used to tell stories around on the porch of his house. Oh, and the, right. The, the camp, Moths would be flitting around okay. uh, around the porch light. And I so gotcha. called the, the podcast The Moth. Um, and, of course, then there's a lot of other podcasts. So The Moth is the big one because it's it's all over the radio. It's all over podcasting and the internet. But there's other ones that I'm really inspired by, like Risk. Okay. Uh, Risk is uh, is a it's true stories you never thought you'd dare to share is their thing. So okay. there's a lot edgier, a lot more raw stories. Stuff that wouldn't fit on the radio. Right. now, And help me out. Now, the guy I probably know uh, is uh, somebody like Mike Berbiglia. Is yes. That, is, is, yeah. this, is this sort of part of this? Exactly. He's a really big name in the storytelling community. Yeah, right. Okay. Mike Berbiglia. I like him. He's funny. Too. Yeah, he's really funny. Yeah, he's a really funny guy. Is that uh, in any way a requirement for storytelling for it to be funny? Or is this, is this, because I mean, I want to just kind of draw a line here. He, he kind of, he blurs the line between storytelling and stand-up comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Is this, is this what story slamming is? Is it stand-up comedy at all? Um, no, it's, it's telling, uh, it's just telling a true experience of your life. But if it's funny and if it's stand-up-ish, that's completely it happens fine. Happens to fit in. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's you know, move on to just quickly how, uh, how it got started here in Taipei. Um, obviously as an organizer, you're one of the guys that kind of did this. Um, was there demand to hear storytelling in English or Chinese, or, uh, maybe you can shed some light on that. Um, actually I, I took over story slam, uh, just at the beginning of this year. Originally the founder in Taipei was, uh, Sean Scanlon. Oh yeah. Who does a lot of events. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The the scan man. Right. Right. And he, he partnered (laughs) laughing over here. He's a great guy. He, and he's really, really driven. Uh, and so he created it with Mandy Ravita, who is a Taipei player. She produced a lot of theater here in Taipei. Uh, and so together they started the event. Um, and then Sean had a lot of events. So he, he let Mandy take over. Uh, so then Mandy was running it for a while, but then Mandy moved home to, uh, get married. Okay. Um, now, I had really enjoyed Story Slam a lot because I'd been listening to the podcasts and everything. And so uh, the first two Story Slams in Taipei, I was way too terrified to tell a story. There's something very raw about it. Like I can do comedy and I can do improv and stand up and, and not have my heart rate get up. But then telling a story is very raw. It's just you. So if I was always afraid if someone didn't like my story or something like that. It it was just me. They didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, improv. They don't like your character. They don't like your style of comedy. But storytelling is you, right? So I was terrified the first two times. I feel that way every single morning on the program. <laughs> by the way, that's that's the best part about my job, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, after the first two, I, I got up there on the third one, and then I told a story every single month for the rest of the time that they were running it. And so okay. then when Mandy was going home, there was no one to run it. She said, well, you've been here okay, for good. all of them and you're good. telling a lot of stories. Do it. Let's, uh, let's talk about, first of all, the, uh, the audience. Is it mainly made up of those from the expat community or are we uh, talking a, about a lot of Taiwanese that also come and, uh, and enjoy the stories? Um, it's a mix. I would say about uh, three quarters um, foreign community, about one quarter Taiwanese. It's all in English, but we've had um, several uh, second language you know, Taiwanese people come up 
and tell a story in English in their second language, and they have done an excellent job. But the majority of the speakers, you would say, are from the uh, the expat community? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, there uh, is a Chinese storytelling show. Okay, this is what I was getting at. Yeah. Is is there a sort of a, uh, a Chinese version of this? Um, there is. There's one woman that's working very, very hard to, uh, to, to develop a Chinese version of the show. But uh, I haven't met her personally. I've just heard about her from the community. Mm-hmm. I know um, she's a good friend of Manav, who's involved with Red Room. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we're still building our show, but it would be amazing to do a sort of group thing later on. But that's that's a little ways off. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Now, all that uh, kind of history aside, uh, we've got that kind of out of the way. Now, uh, let's get to the storytelling part. Now, in a moment, I'm just going to, I'm just laying this out for, for the listeners. Coming up in a, in a few minutes, we're actually going to have a, a slam of sorts, if you will. Yeah. Where uh, we have uh, Arissa who's going to come and just kind of tell a story. As if it, as if it, we, we were really at the, the story slam. She's just going to come on and kind of way she goes with a story. Now, before we get to that, though, are there any, uh, theoretically speaking, is there any way that uh, you know people want to frame stories is there some sort of formula are there things that kind of need to be there to to be a, a story slam or or um, a, a certain kind of criteria i realize there's probably no rules or anything but is there a, a criteria to uphold is there a formula and what makes a good story sure um generally there's two main things at the very basic basic level the mm-hmm. very core of storytelling you need two things you need uh, a human character and for a story slam type story that's usually you although oh, sometimes yeah yeah right uh but they can also be uh like your mother if your story is about you experiencing watching your mother struggle to bring you up or or your father You're, you can there can be a, a different human but usually story slams about you but you need the human element people don't connect to objects or experiences unless they can see them through the experience of a person. Okay. Um, and the second thing is there tends to be, uh, not tends to be, there generally has to be an emotional journey. You should listen to the story and at the beginning and the end, you should have two different feelings and there should be an arc between them. Okay. So for example, uh, if I was telling a story about a move to Taiwan, I would probably start with an emotion, something like feeling confused or bored or disconnected to where I was living. And then as I told the arc of moving to Taiwan, there would be the fear and then the excitement and then adapting and then finally it would end with an emotion of of happiness or joy. So one of the best things you can do when you're coming up with a story is to understand who the main character is and then trace that character's emotion from the beginning to the end and have a clear idea of the picture you're painting throughout emotionally. Okay. All right. And this is um, this is generally a a sort of uh, what's accepted kind of theory or formula as far as storytelling goes for a slam, or uh, is this something that is maybe particular to here in Taipei? Uh, that's that's a general overall storytelling idea. It's it's just a very good way to to make sure that your story has a compelling narrative. Okay. All right. Now, when you, because uh, in a moment, we're going to be calling on Arissa to come on up here. Get, set the stage for me before we, we do that. Um, do you usually introduce the speakers? Because I, I, I kind of want this to, to be set up as if somebody was at the slam. Like, So I don't want to introduce Arissa and, and talk about her background or who she is or anything if that's not done at Story Slam. 
You know what I mean? Or right. is this something where I just I go to it, I put my hand up, and I go, I want to go next, and way you go and you come up? Do you sign up for these They're things? They're way more selective than that. There's a hat involved. You pull the name. <laughs> is, there, is there okay? Well, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Good. Yeah. Right. So there's there's generally two categories. We'll have uh, first off, we'll have featured storytellers. So we'll generally have about five people who have sent uh, sent me either on Facebook or email, typeastoryslam at gmail.com. Okay. You can send me a pitch, just a sentence or two about what you want to tell. Okay. Uh, and then we can feature you as a featured storyteller, which gets you in for free and gets you a drink. But also, it means you're guaranteed to be on stage. Okay. Um, and so generally, we'll have five slots available for that. We'll do the feature stories, take a break, and then we'll come back and do an open mic. And that's what Keith was referring to, is that there's a hat. Or actually a box. Oh, there actually oh, so, literally is a hat and box. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't mean to short sell you. It's a box. Okay, it's a box. Right. It's a box. Uh, and so anyone can put their names in. And uh, I, I do this in the second half because I found that if I do that at the beginning and say, hey, put your name in the box, no one touches it. But after you've seen five people that prepared and worked hard and, and opened themselves up on stage... They feel a little more comfortable. Oh, yeah. The box fills up really quick. People, okay. are, people are inspired. They want to say their own story. They want to compare other people's stories, and they'll get right up there. Okay, excellent. Now, uh, has Arissa been featured as a, a storyteller or as a uh, name out of the box? Uh, I believe she was a feature storyteller twice. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. Well, then, then we'll kind of leave it at that. What we'll do is we'll take a very short break. And when we come back, we will just we'll just kind of roll it as if we were at a story slam. Sounds good. Does that get sound your good? Skinny cigarettes ready. Yeah, if that's if that's the case, get your everybody go get your berets, and we'll <laughs> be back. The uh, mustache. Back in a second. All right, uh, it's ten twenty one in the morning. We will return in just a few moments here on the morning show with Terry. I love you guys. This is the only station I listen to. Every song you play, like I love it. Taiwan's coolest music mix. I love your station. You guys play the best music. Only on ICRT. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Taipei Story Slam. Uh, today we have a special storyteller coming to us from Chicago. She's been in Taiwan for just over a year. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to give a big welcome to Arissa. Hi. Um, so, walking down the street in Geelong, I get a lot of stares. I've been here a year and I still haven't really gotten used to it. I'm a black female foreigner. I'm pretty tall. I have broad shoulders. I don't really wear makeup. I have a short afro. So I understand when people want to take a longer look, a longer curious look, and are still kind of confused by what they see. Take, for example, my first day at my school in Keelung. A fourth grader comes up to me and says, are you a boy or a girl? Um, I think to myself, I'm wearing a skirt. Seriously? (laughs) So, kids, I understand. You know, their worldview is limited. But adults? I'm at the hospital. I'm getting an ARC health check. Um, You've probably maybe done it. They make you fill out this basic health information form. They make you fill out two forms, two identical forms. Name, sex, age, blah, blah, blah in duplicate. And I hand it to the woman behind the counter and she enters it into enters my information into the computer. And then I'm off to see a doctor who asks me if I'm pregnant. And then I go get weighed and measured, my eyes checked. I go up the stairs, get blood drawn. I feel like a mouse in a maze 
when I'm walking down the hallway to the radiology wing to get an x-ray. And when I walk in, I see that there's at least two dozen people in the scrub tops they require you to change into to get this x-ray. So I hand my stuff to the, to the nurse behind the counter, and he looks at my forms, and then he looks at the computer, and then he looks at me, and then he looks at my forms, the computer, back to me, and then he asks, are you a man or a woman? Um, again, I'm shocked because I just handed him forms that say that I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a woman, I say. And he says, oh, uh, in the computer, it says you're a man. (laughs) He just stops talking there. Like it's the end of the conversation. I'm not sure. Maybe he's trying to figure out a solution, but I'm just so frustrated. I say... I kind of snap at him. I go, um, nope, I'm a woman. I don't know what else to tell you. I think to myself, I could show you, but maybe that's going <laughs> a little too far. So um, he says, oh, okay, you'll have to go back downstairs and get the woman to change it down there. And I'm thinking, can't you just, you're sitting behind a computer right now. Can't you just change it now? Um, no, I'm sorry, miss. He makes sure to refer to me f- as miss from now on. Um, no, you have to go back downstairs. So I'm really just frustrated. It's been a long morning already. I change into the scrub top that they, you know, the x-ray scrub top, because I just, I figure I can stay up here, save my energy, and then when I have to go back downstairs at the end, I will get it fixed there. But he comes over to me after I've changed, and he says, miss, you have to go down now. Okay, fine. So I'm power walking down the hallway and I'm just, I'm just so frustrated. Power walking. I know my boobs are, they're braless. So they're swaying wildly (laughs) as I'm just charging down this hallway. Um, But clearly not so wildly because apparently they're so small. People cannot notice them as secondary sex characteristics of my femaleness. (laughs) So I get down, I'm, I get to the counter. I, I basically kind of, shove the forms back in this woman's face. And I say, hi, I'm a woman, but you said I was a man in the computer. <laughs> and she looks at the forms, looks at me and giggles apologetically. Sorry. She takes care of it, gives me back the forms and I'm walking back up the, up the stairs. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is so frustrating. This is not the first time that this has happened to me. Um, I've kind of gotten used to cashiers and waiters um, looking uh, when they just take a a brief glance addressing me as sir um, or when I'm in the bathroom, women hesitating, doing a double take when they see me in the women's bathroom. And that's frustrating. It is. But I can usually think about, um, you know, the fact that I have breasts and I have a uterus that bleeds once a month. And I know that I have two X chromosomes just floating around in my somatic cells. So that usually reassures me I am a woman, even if when people take a brief glance, they don't think I am. But as I'm walking down the hallway back to the X-ray, X-ray wing, I'm suddenly so aware of my cisgendered privilege. This was frustrating to me. Yes, it was a mistake that wasted my time and my energy. But there are people who are fighting, like fighting, and 
dying for the ability to be able to say, to check a box on a health form, that they are a gender that society says they can't be because they were born as something different. Or there are people fighting to be able to forego gender boxes entirely and identify as gender fluid or gender queer or non-gender in a society that's so rigid, you know, all over the world, so rigid um, that they say you have to be a certain label and you have to be put in a certain box and that those labels and those boxes can't be mixed up. So at the beginning of this new school year, I um, there are new first graders and inevitably I get the question, are you a boy or a girl? I'm a lizard, I say, trying to shatter their conceptions of gender. No, are you a boy or a girl? I'm a lizard, I assert. Are you a boy lizard or a girl lizard? <laughs> I'm a lizard lizard, I say. Hopefully that's a start. Thank you. Okay. All right. So uh, this interesting story, very great story, by the way. Great storytelling. Thank Let, you. I'm just going to kind of bring Colin back here on this and hey. uh, maybe tell me, given the model that you set up before, maybe you can kind of uh, tell us how that fit in or didn't fit into the model or was unique or, or uh, sure. maybe you can explain that to us. Great. So, uh, so I said that you need a human character. Usually it's yourself. And in this case, it was... Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, I thought it was a lizard. Yeah, I'm a lizard. Isn't that kind Colin, of breaking the rules? Come on. So in this case, it was itself. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, how do you, how do you self-identify? I, I do identify as a woman. Okay, so it was herself. The yeah. character was herself. <laughs> um, but then the emotional arc. So what would you say, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys, what do you think was the first emotion she, she started with? Kind of frustration. Frustration. I was mm-hmm. going to say frustration as okay. well. Um, and then she made an arc to... Uh, I, I I would say kind of bemusement, bemused, bemusement. bemused uh, absurdity. Uh, okay, I would put that towards the middle. I would say she made an arc to compassion. So she compassion. started with frustration with her own situation, but then arcs to compassion for people that have more difficult situations. So that the emotional arc would be would be reflecting on her own frustration, but then that gave her compassion for other people, which is really excellent uh, emotional arc for a story. Okay. All right. So this uh, fits into the model we described. Yeah. Um, typically, uh, how long does what, does a story go? Is there a time limit? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. h- how do you how do you kind of know when a story should be done? Uh, we tend to give a five to ten minute limit. So typically, we prefer a story to be more than five minutes. What if I am someone who's not bound by the uh, shackles of time? We have had. Several of those <laughs> on stage, because um, I mean, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sort of saying that a, a a true, a great story should not be bound by the shackles of time. That's true, but we have a lot of storytellers here. And <laughs> okay, people yeah. that want to get no, on I'm just, stage. I'm just. Um, what we do is that you'd uh, be one of those guests, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm always one of those guests. Yeah, what we do is at the nine minute thirty second mark, we give uh, a little ding on a bell that's. That's kind of like all right, right. Start to start to get to your conclusion, and then now if I can ask uh, if I can ask Arissa now um, just again about the storytelling. I'm not. To, it's not a comment on your story at all. If if, if that's okay, um, you know how, how much do you feed off of the audience when you're telling your stories? Um, H- how important is that to the storytelling? 
it, it's incredibly important. I think, like Colin said, I've te- I've told two stories at Taipei Story Slam, and the first one, um, I really felt a connection with the audience. I mean, there were some key people that I just I could tell that they were feeding off me, and that mm-hmm. makes me want to feed more to them. You know what I mean? How much more difficult was it to tell your story here? Same story, because you've told it before. How much more difficult or easier was it to tell your story right here where you basically didn't have anybody's reaction except for uh, me, 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 Manconi, and uh, uh, Colin? Yeah. Well, actually, this is the first time I've told this story. Um, oh, oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought you. I, I thought this was one you. Oh, well, okay. Well, awesome. <laughs> then we had a very unique experience. Then, okay, no, good. World of view. Yeah, I think um, it's. It again, it depends because it depends on what story you're telling. But I think at the second story slam, there were just less people there, so mm-hmm. it means there are less people that you can kind of point to and connect with, and, mm-hmm. and that's really the whole reason why I tell stories is because I want to connect with people. Right. But in a crowd of three, if you can even get a Twitter uh, out of the <laughs> audience, I mean that's. <laughs> Yeah. Out of three is pretty tough. No, I, the only reason I, I, I kind of bring it up is because, uh, again, and, and because I, I'm going to take a kick of the can at this in a moment. I, I mean, I take a kick of the can at every morning. But, um, <laughs> You're doing it the story slam yeah, way today, though. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm doing it the story slam way today. And surely, and this is what I'm getting at, a story slam is kind of dependent on the audience. It, 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 I would imagine that that's probably as much an element as as the story itself of course because yeah. every morning i sit here and i tell stories to a computer screen i don't have that feedback i don't have even if nobody's saying anything in the crowd you don't get those nods of the head or that you know the roll of the eyes even or the <laughs> you know what i mean or the uh the, yeah. the signaling of the cutting of the throat <laughs> at times i'm sure like, like, like I, I i mean i don't get that ever at all so i mean i i i really would imagine story slam to have to include the audience as much as anything else. Yeah, the audience really feeds a lot to the storyteller, a lot of energy uh, and a lot of connection. So, yeah, the audience is a huge part. Am I allowed to shout out as an audience member? Am I allowed to – is is that part of it where the where the, the, the audience becomes actually part of the storytelling – itself as well you really are yeah. going to be one of those audience <laughs> no i'm i'm curious because i i've never i've never you know, slammed i guess um maybe shouts of support at like a no, difficult no, moment I, in his I story think Colin's, uh, a polite way of saying no it's, i heckling is not is not not heckle, no not, not not heckling at all not heckling at all but. i think i told a story once and i i mentioned that somebody died and mm-hmm. then somebody like gave this very I don't know. It wasn't like a sad, mournful, like, oh, it was like a, wah! It was very, and it kind of was jarring. So you got to be like a considerate audience member. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, considerate's uh, a good word. Yeah. Considerate. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. No, I only say that because, again, stand-up comedy is a lot of times, and, and for certain artists, I mean, heckling, it, they're dependent on that. You know what I mean? They're dependent on crowd work. They're dependent on reactions from the audience, be them uh, over the top or or uh, considered inconsiderate or whatnot. Like, I mean, that's that's part of the act. I mean, I think of guys like uh, uh, Howie Mandel and uh, Dice oh, sure. Clay and whatnot. That's, yeah. th- those guys were dependent on that stuff. Yeah, but even more stand-ups hate heckling as well. So it's- really? Oh yeah, I mean, I would say Mitch Hedberg. I mean, he lived off these guys. You yeah, know? yeah. They, they 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 made their comedy off of them. I'm, I'm again, it just, just depends. Curious. Yeah, just depends on the performer. 
I would say if you listen to one of these podcasts, I mean, so so a lot of these podcasts, they will just go to the show and they will tape these stories. And so you get that crowd noise and that crowd energy into the podcast. And then sometimes they'll just bring a storyteller into the studio and they'll just tell the story in the studio. Right. To make it work in studio, you've got to add music. You've got to add yeah. sound effects. You've got to add a bunch of stuff. If you just take those live recordings, you don't need to add anything. You just have the energy of the crowd and that can make the recording work. Right. So just the, the texture of that energy by itself really inflects the entire thing. Yeah, well said, Keith. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We'll take another break right now. And when we come back, we'll do the same thing, okay, that we just did with uh, Arissa, except I'm going to take a kick at the can. Mm -hmm. I'll just tell my story. I'm I'm, going to kind of repeat a story that I I kind of told this morning or a story that I typically tell every morning, one of those, and then we'll, we'll see how that slams out. Okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll take ourselves a short break. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, we've got uh, Arissa and Colin here. Uh, story slammers. That's what we're talking about this morning on our extended interview segment. Back in uh, just a moment after these messages. I-C-R-T. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed Arissa's story. Let's, uh, let's hear, hear it for her one more time. same person cheers every time i don't know what's going on yeah it's amazing right uh but uh next up we have my favorite dj in taiwan ladies and gentlemen i want you to give it up for terry thanks everybody jeez i wasn't expecting that uh in new taipei city i think um i think it's a great city uh, especially in banchow where i live um, I think that for our personal income tax or uh, the really relatively small amount that uh, we have to, to pay for our income tax, they do great things with the money, um, including the community center, which I go to and I swim at a lot. It's the new Taipei uh, City Community Center. I believe it's funded by the government. And uh, I often go there and I swim. Uh, part of my uh, exercise routine. Uh, I, I, I enjoy swimming, among other things. One of the uh, things that really um, I can never understand at the swimming pool, at least here in Taiwan, and, and it's obviously a cultural difference that I can't get with, um, there seems to be this, this whole idea of spitting and whatnot in the side of the pool, and I'm always concerned <laughs> about why, where, where people think that spit is going, because it's, it's, it's simply... You know, going back into the water, maybe filtered, but it's it's still there. Um, and so this is this is the setup to this. You know, what I really want to talk about here, um, which if you can tell by the setup, what I want to talk about here is old people, because <laughs> uh, there, there, there's a there's an inherent difference in the way uh, the West uh, thinks about old people and the way that we think about old people here in Taiwan. It, the elderly are revered here in Taiwan. They are. Um, respected. They are uh, put on a pedestal. They are considered our elders. They are considered, uh, you know, uh, uh, wiser than we are. But in the West, it's a little bit different because my mom is 76 years old. But if I ever referred to her as elderly or old, she would almost take offense to that. Um, The old, uh, the most respectful thing you can do for elderly people in the West is to treat them absolutely normally, is to treat them just like other people. And I think that this is a very interesting and unique difference between the way the elderly are viewed in Taiwan and here in 
uh, or sorry, and in the West. I give another example of uh, Bill Thiessen, a former newscaster here in Taiwan, uh, who sadly has passed away. We uh, we think of Bill uh, quite often here at ICRT, but I would often ride the the bus with him. And uh, often, more often than not, almost every time we'd get on the bus, um, young Taiwanese folk would stand up and offer his seat. And he was he was really almost offended every time uh, <laughs> his, his kind of thinking. What, you think I can't stand up? What, you think I, you know what I mean? What, you know, you, you think I don't have the ability to do that? And he, he really almost took offense to a lot of this stuff, which I thought was uh, just really interesting, um, uh, an interesting contrast to the way. Uh, old people kind of accept that here in Taiwan, and they accept the reverence and the politeness from the young people. So much so that at times, I think the old people kind of get a little cocky with that. You know what I mean? They kind of they kind of take that and they kind of start expecting some of 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 this. And all of this uh, was really came to a, a head yesterday, literally yesterday, at the swimming pool where I was. I was uh, changing my clothes, getting ready, uh, 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 hair drying my hair, you know, getting ready to leave. Uh, I was uh, basically butt naked, uh, not part of the story that you're probably, uh, <laughs> that I should be slamming. But, uh, uh, it, you know, there was a long bench and I had my clothes kind of neatly folded and sat on this big long bench behind me. I was the only one in the dressing room. And this older fella came in, uh, I guess we would call him elderly, and he just like sat down right on my clothes, just <laughs> sat right on my clothes uh, while I was doing And I turned around and I kind of said to him, I said, um, uh, in, in Chinese as well, I said, you know, excuse me, I, I think you've sat on my clothes. And he just barked right back at me as if, well, this is where he was going to sit down. And, you know, you know how, how dare I kind of tell him where he should or he, he shouldn't sit. And I thought, geez, that's, that's pretty kind of, uh, I guess the word would be ballsy, um, but the word ballsy, uh, I think maybe in a little more literal sense because he, was, he wasn't wearing any clothes. He, he himself was getting changed to get into. So here he is. I mean, there's an old guy who's just now sat down naked on my clothes. And um, I, I really didn't know how to how to respond to that. All I know is that his, his old parts are now kind of like <laughs> smeared on my clothing that I've now got to put on and walk out. And I guess I probably uh, left the situation just understanding that there you know, is in fact a cultural difference between the way the, the, the older people deal with how we respect them. There's certainly a, uh, 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 an amount of respect that we, we, we do owe to those who are older than us uh, in terms of uh, life wisdom. But I guess it really put everything into perspective when you see an old naked person sit on your clothes. <laughs> thank you. All right. There excellent. Oh, thank you. I, 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 there we are. Oh, there's our, there's our studio thank you, audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So uh, that's my slam. What right do you think? Up. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was very funny. It's, uh, so that was a good example of a more comedic slam. Um, but there's still a journey there. You start with uh, you start with kind of a reflective comedic. That was a tr- it's a true story. There's nothing comedic about it. This is old true bits. stories. Those old bits were on my clothes. True <laughs> stories can be comedic. I, I found it hilarious that his bits were on your clothes. Okay, okay. well I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, well, someone had to. Yeah, right. Sorry. Um, no, but it's great. You went you went from kind of a reflective 
uh, attitude about you know reflecting about community and how we treat the elderly and you you arced to uh, kind of amusement and comedy and it was, it was a good arc no oh, good well yeah. thank you thank you keith Oh, we, we all have to rate it? No, yeah, no. I just want <laughs> yeah. you to tell me how good it was. That's all. Uh, okay. That's all I'm looking from you. Well, you heard the applause. You heard <laughs> yeah, the applause. Yeah, we thought with the applause. No, no. So, so is it, so is this something that fits into the slam? It's, it's great for me to sit here and tell stories to you guys because, like I said, usually I'm talking to a computer screen in the morning. Yeah, that's great. Not not every story has to be. We about... We need a computer screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys were much better audience. Yeah, yeah. Not every story has to be a, about a, a big life changing moment. Although mm-hmm. that might have been a life changing moment for you. Well, it, it certainly it certainly wasn't my wardrobe. That's for sure. I certainly uh, lightened the load that way. Yeah, would, that this story is great. I would say though that it's different from a lot of t- uh, story slam stories in the sense that there are just fewer events that happened. Less happened in Terry's story. Most Taipei Story Slam stories would be more things happening. Sure. Um, well, uh, do you want me to get into that? There's Please do, yeah. Yeah, we can get into a little bit about, about story structure and mm-hmm. how you, you structure your story. Yeah. Just, just give, me a, give me a break in if I'm going long or anything. Yeah, yeah, go on. Um, typically, stories will have what's called a, uh, a major incident, okay? So you'll have like a one major thing that you're going to write your story around. Mm-hmm. Like bits intermingling with clothing. Like business, okay, that would so, have been your major incident. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, that his, was, yeah. I, I believe it was a part of his anatomy on your clothes would right. be the, the major incident. And typically you'll, you'll and it's, it's not a hard, fast rule, but typically you want about a third, a third, a third. Okay? So the major incident will be the, the middle bit. So the first third will generally be a lead up to it. So uh, if you think of a major incident as uh, like a road marker, the first half is the road up to that road marker. Um, you, you're setting it up, you can see it in the distance, you know it's coming, and you're preparing for it. So in this case, you did that with talking about uh, the elderly and the different viewpoints in the West and in Taiwan. So that was a great uh, first third. That's what it is. The second third is typically the incident. So then in that part, you tend to go more into detail. So like the first part, you, it was very much an overview. It wasn't an event. It was just a, a discussion of what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Then the major incident, you got into the moment. So you have uh, you have dialogue. You have tactile senses. So you have uh, you know what you saw, where you were, what time it was, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you get into details in that major incident, and that's the middle third, right? And then you go into the last third, which tends to be you're driving away from the incident now. You're kind of riding off into the sunset, if you will. Uh, and so when you did that, you you reflected on uh, on what it meant to you to uh, to have to face this, and you talked about right. But uh, yeah, and you're right. And I guess probably if just judging by this model, then where my story was different was that the the last third that you're talking about was a little non-existent. And I'll hear, I, I can uh, self analysis here. I'll attribute that to the yeah. fact that uh, when I tell a story here on the radio, I kind of need want it to end with. With, with the punchline, with the incident, with what happened. That was the payoff right. for the whole thing. So there's there's kind of no sort of after reflect. So it may, maybe that makes it more stand-up-y than it does a story slam. Is that at all correct? Um, well, it's not a hard and fast structure. It's just of a, a typical structure. So of actually, course. I thought you were, while you were more comedic, it was still a completely there was still that story. Takeaway. Yeah, I would, I would love to have that on stage. Yeah, right. Um, and a lot of times, if you want something like that, a lot of times you'll cap your story after after you've kind of done the whole thing. You cap it with a paragraph that's like about how it left you changed or right. how it uh, how it affected your life. So, right. but but you can do you that. Smell a, a little different, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. How I smelled different and had to throw the clothes. Okay, yeah, right, right. I got you. <laughs> right. Or if you look at Arissa's story, the major incident would have been the time at the hospital. 
uh, so what was the lead up? The lead up was talking about the uh, the describing herself and then describing the, right. the how she's faced it before. Then the hospital got into specifics, right? You know, people and and time and what happened and dialogue. Um, and then the follow up uh, was about her students and how she deals with it now. And then that paragraph and that left her changed the right. the lizard part. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, because we are getting close to the point where we're we've got to uh, we've got to move on from this. Um, first of all, big thank you to to, to both of you for coming in, uh, Arissa you. for sharing, and, and Colin for sharing as well. And um, but but before we go anywhere, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the events specifically here in Taiwan, where we might be able to go see them, mm-hmm. how, if somebody's listening right now, would like to get involved. I am I know you've uh, highly encouraged Taiwanese people to want to get in, involved as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, um, we'll just also reiterate that. So maybe you can give me kind of that information. Yeah. Um, okay. So we tend to have one show a month. Uh, the next show is October 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, doors open at 8.30. The show's at 9. And this is at Sappho de Base, which is uh, it's S-A-P-P-H-O. And yep. that's near the Shini Anha uh, MRT station. Yep. Correct. Um, and the theme of that night, we'll have a theme each night. Okay. And the theme's very open. Very, very open. So you, you, it doesn't have to be hard and fast thing. But the theme that night is, oh, the horror. Oh, the horror. Okay. Uh, last for Halloween. Oh. Yeah, for oh, Halloween, right. right. Last year I told a story about uh, needles in a hospital that was so graphic that two people walked up and left. Oh, So nice. I promise not to do that again. Nice. I, I swear I will not tell that story again. I remember that. Yeah, nice. you yeah, that. Right, yeah, yeah Keith good. was there. All right, so uh, third Thursday of every month is usually when you do this. So in... Well, we got five Thursdays this month, oh. so, it's, so it's the 22nd, and then okay, we only so have one more show this year. Uh, in November, we're going to have the Grand slam where all of the winners of the previous story slams will be coming together. Oh, hold together. on. There's winners. Hold on a sec. I didn't know this was a competition. <laughs> tell you that part. Oh, well, now I'm interested. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's a friendly. friendly competition. Oh, I see. It's a friendly competition. With judges. With, with, with Yeah, with judging your life stories and the sentiments that you <laughs> bring. Friendly uh, judging. Your raw, uh, you like know. Hunger Games. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like Hunger Games. Those like who Hunger lose games. are slammed. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we have The Undertaker coming in. He's going to slam the losers. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, we have the November show which is all of the top storytellers of this season. And the November show is on the 26th. Same thing, 8.30, doors, 9 o'clock okay. open. And then we'll have December off because that would overlap with Christmas. Okay. Oh, right, okay. So there's only two shows left this year. So if you're going to come out, it's Thursday, the now October the 22nd, November 26th. And then next year you will kind of start a new season? We'll start that, a new presumably season. Presumably you will. That's okay. Right. Where can people find information about this on the internet if uh, they've kind of uh, missed what you've said or they want a refresher or uh, for those uh, who may be second language speakers that uh, you know need to uh, uh, kind of have this information online? Yep. All of the uh, events and information goes through the Facebook group. It's Taipei Story Slam on Facebook. If you want to tell a story, you can message me personally on Facebook. You can find it, the information in the group. Okay. Or you can send me an email at taipeistoryslam at gmail.com. Taipeistoryslam at gmail.com. I know that there's a lot of uh, interesting stories out there from listeners. I mean, I'm personally going to highly encourage any of the listeners to go because a lot of the listeners are always sending me stories and I'm just like, geez, don't send me the story. This is a great story. You know what I mean? Like you you need to to share these things. Yeah, come tell us. Anybody that's listening, please, uh, by all means, get a hold of uh, a call. And there's always, everybody's got some story to tell, don't they? Absolutely. Everybody's got at least one story in them, don't they? If and not two or three. Even if English is your second language, don't stress about it. We've had 
more than a few second language okay, storytellers good. that did a great job, and it's a very supportive community. So Excellent. English is your first, second, third language. I don't care. Come out. Excellent. Join us. Tell a story. Good stuff. Well, listen, thanks, guys, for coming here this thank week. You. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you and a great, uh, great story, by the way. I wish we had more time to kind of dissect your story. That's Arisa, right. a little That's right. bit, but um, that the point was not to dissect your story. The point was to uh, slam it. Yeah, is that it? It, was, it was properly. It, it was properly slammed. <laughs> Excellent. All right, thanks. Uh, news coming up right at eleven. That'll be followed by your uh, themed request hour, which oddly enough is going to revolve right around storytelling. And in fact, uh, that's your theme uh, request songs. Uh, that tell a story of some sort. So that's coming up. I'll put it up on my Facebook. Check it out. Terry ICRT is where you can find that. Uh, we'll go for more right after 11. See you on the other side. All right. Thanks, everybody, once again for tuning in. That was Taipei Story Slam on The Morning Show with Terry Engel. I am, of course, Keith Manconi. And uh, this thing that we're doing here, these series of interviews, this is still a little bit of a new project. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. You can get in touch with us through Facebook, either the ICRT account or Terry's ICRT page, or just email me directly at keith at icrt.com.tw. And do make sure to tune in next time as we bring you more interviews from and about Taiwan. Until then, bye-bye.